Hi, everyone, and welcome to the January 8th, 2021 episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor here at Automotive News Canada. It's our first new show of 2021 after a long holiday break, and it's the first show since automakers reported their 2020 sales totals. So who better to have on our first show than my guest today, who accurately predicted the 20% sales decline we saw last year. Someone who takes the temperature of the retail market and the economy as a whole better than just about anyone. She brings with her some tantalizing statistics our dealer audience might want to note, and we'll get into those and more when we speak with Scotiabank Economics Director of Fiscal Provincial Economics, Rebecca Young, on this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. Rebecca, thanks for joining me on the podcast once again. Thank you for inviting me back. No problem. Um, Things were looking pretty dire nearly a year ago, but for the most part, analysts such as yourself began forecasting a a 20% sales decline for the year, and that's exactly what came to be. Sales down 20% according to the Automotive News Data Center in Detroit. How would you categorize these this decrease? Is it a relief that it wasn't worse? Is it a surprise that it was only 20? Should automakers and their dealers be happy that it's, and I'm using air quotes here, only 20%? How do you view this decline? I think you hit the nail on the head when you started out by saying, you know, is it a relief? I think that there was certainly a lot more downside to this year in auto sales and the economy in general, that um, certainly when the pandemic started out in the spring, there was a sense that, um, you know, the first wave could have, you know, lockdowns could have lasted much, much longer. And we were still in the learning phase of how to continue to live and operate in a, in a pandemic society in that first wave. And so I think our initial assumptions were that things could have been much worse. They could have prolonged where we saw monthly um, auto sales down in the area of 75, 80 percent year over year for several months, not just the one, two months that we saw. And then and then the other aspect was just the surprising strength of the general economic rebound, as well as the retail and auto sales rebound in particular that we saw that followed those first waves. So really, um, the net of, um, you know, that steep drop and that very strong rebound and then a bit of a kind of petering out over the last couple months of the years meant that 20 percent decline year over year wasn't as bad as it could have been had we seen you know a far worse impact earlier in the year and less of a recovery but it still means that we're not out of the woods yet as no doubt listeners realize is that we're in second waves that are far worse than we had anticipated uh, um, even a month or six weeks ago so you know so good news um, good news bad news for 2020 but still big question marks on how 2021 will unfold December wasn't quite that bad um, when you look at the numbers they this, this or sorry excuse me Q4 and December weren't quite that bad Q4 was was down uh, about six percent uh, you mentioned sort of the October November sales tailing off but December when you look at the automakers they weren't that bad either I mean General Motors in in the last quarter of the the year alone was was up seven percent FCA was up. Uh, just about 5%. What happened in the sort of end of the year that was good for some automakers? Was this a, 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 the fact that most stores were open again? 
Although in December, some of them started to close again and dealers now have a sense of how to navigate appointments, um, you know, navigate lockdowns. I just wonder what happened to make the final quarter and the final month somewhat of a success for, for dealers across the country. I think a big part of it was that um, um, more generally, we've learned to operate within a pandemic environment. And so, you know, across the board, we haven't seen the same declines, whether it's auto sales or retail sales, um, you know, jobs. We've not seen the same sharp decline in second waves as we did in the first wave. And so we know, for example, dealerships are allowed to stay open. It is by appointment, but, you know, there are a lot of innovations learned in the first wave that enable some parts of the economy to continue on more or less as they were, um, you know, in the lull, in the summer lull when we didn't have the pandemic. Uh, so not quite, we're, we're nowhere near where we were before the pandemic, but certainly, um, you know, that ability to carry on um, in a modified manner has, has helped, uh, broadly speaking. In, in, in this second wave. I think there's a, a second component, though, also, is that um, sentiment has stayed high. And so in, every month, the conference board asks a poll, uh, you know, a group of Canadians, how they feel about making major purchases, and they include autos in there along with appliances. And that really hasn't deteriorated very much under these second waves. So Canadians, I think, are seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. I think they, you know, have a variety of factors playing in their favor, including um uh, the the generous government responses that have enabled um, Canadian households to you know to weather through the crisis so far for the most part um, and we can speak to that little asterisk later but I think that combination of sentiment that you know we we see a light at the end of the tunnel the second wave is going to be difficult we still can purchase automobiles um, um, a, a, if we make appointments so that's really held up that um, you know that fourth quarter. But I would also note that, um, you know, if we look back to what happened in the fourth quarter of 2019, sales were pretty weak uh, in uh, in Canadian auto. So, so I think there is a bit of a base effect also playing in, in that when we compare to to last year, um, you know, things weren't that great uh, in in the final quarter of 2019. Do you see? So Quebec has just. Um, essentially locked down again. There's a curfew there in place beginning uh, later this month. Um, Ontario, Doug Ford actually responded to some reporters saying that that's actually on the table in that province. Um, the province of Ontario is in a lockdown right now. We're in the gray area, which means a lot of restrictions, um, uh, you know, auto shopping by appointment. Do you, Does this change your outlook for the first and second quarter of 2021 or do you see these lockdowns and curfews lifting soon enough to maybe not have as big a negative effect on the first and second quarter of sales in Canada? We certainly see a dampening impact from these lockdowns. So the big question mark is, you know, you know, how much of a negative dip will it be? Uh, what it really does, though, is would change our profile of where we see sales going. And so I think what we also learned from the, the first wave is that, um, you know, when consumers are afraid to go out uh, uh, shopping, so even if they can go out, 
uh, it tended to be a deferred um, purchase. And so, you know, created a bit of a pent up demand. And once they felt more comfortable going out, that's when, you know, the sales accrued. So I think that we have, um, you know, that playing in favor that, you know, we in our own forecasts um, already see dampening in, in Q1 that will happen. And you know, bleeding into Q2, depending on how uh, fast immunizations take hold. And we push some of that, um, those sales out, um, you know, depending on, 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 on those, those pandemic factors. So that will certainly, um, you know, be something to watch as we, as we, as we head into the new year. We just ran a story in our latest print edition and posted it online in which Peter Hall, the chief economist at Export Development Canada, Uh, said we're looking at a K-shaped recovery. Do you hold that same opinion? And how might a K-shaped recovery, if that's what it is going to be, affect the new vehicle market? Absolutely. That uh, I think K shape is 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 the letter of the day, and we're seeing that now. In that, you know, if you look at sectors, for example, um, sectors like airline travel, uh, tourism, food, accommodation, all those high contact um, industries really haven't you know recovered much ground since first wave. Whereas you look at other sectors, um, be it uh, IT, uh, hardware renovation, um, you know, all these you know, finance. Um, all these sectors have really, um, you know, if not uh, uh, reached, have surpassed pre-pandemic levels. So that's where you get the K when you have some sectors booming and others, you know, still pretty much bottomed out. And that, you know, we're, we will see those trends again until we have vaccines, you know, in arms in, you know, sufficient numbers. And so I think that that, um, you know, that that will be something to watch. And, and a question mark is, those industries that are still um, underperforming, you know, how long will it take for them to recover and to what level will they get back to pre-pandemic? Now, what we do know is that uh, the majority of, of job losses that happened in those weaker sectors or those more affected sectors were largely low um, uh, wage workers. And so, you know, workers earning two thirds the mean wage, um, and they made up about three quarters of the job losses at the peak of the first wave. And so those, um, you know, those Canadians, um, you know, and, and, and that there's also a K-shaped in terms of the demographics of how Canadian households were affected. And so those Canadians still would be very much hurting because many of those jobs just haven't returned. And we know that about 25% of unemployed Canadians right now have been unemployed since the beginning of the pandemic. So in terms of translating that into what it means for auto sales, um, typically those uh, Canadians may have already been looking at used auto sales so that might take a bit of the demand side out of that uh, out of that market but it also may add more demand to used if we're seeing more shift from you know those Canadians that may have um, uh, been planning to buy a new vehicle and so I think that um, um, but for the the you know the rest of the Canadians that are still holding a job and have been you know affected in terms of some of more of the social or psych- so psychological aspects of the um, of the impact um, you know will still be in the market for auto and arguably the pandemic may have even created more demand among these Canadians that you know have been able to um, you know to, to stabilize their own household income because you know the fear of public trans 
transit or the uh, the fear of ride sharing services and just the need to get out in your car you know when you you know you're in the four walls of your home um you know the car is is something that you can still do you can go out and drive and not you know come in contact with people so so there is a bit of a you know i think um, you know, a bit of an upside in the sense that, um, that, that, that those that have been hit hardest may not have been the, you know, first in line in auto markets already for purchases this year. But it's certainly not a, a good news story from a, um, a broader Canadian perspective. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, those are precarious jobs, whether you're in tourism or, you know, just from personal experience, I was a bartender in college and you didn't know if you were making $10 in tips that night or $200 in tips that night. And in a, in a job such as that, you can't really budget for a new car, can you? Those aren't the folks who are going in and getting the loan and getting the credit and getting a brand new drive it off the lot vehicle, correct? No, absolutely. And, you know, they are maybe more likely to be using public transit. Um, and so it is, you know, it is a, uh, um, you know, it is uh, a precarious situation at a sort of a household level for those Canadians. And, and certainly it makes it difficult to consider making a major purchase at, at a time like that. So um, it does hold some upside, you know, as the recovery takes hold and as these jobs come back. Um, and, you know, these Canadians that haven't um, felt uh, comfortable or able to make a purchase now may come back online when we look out to, you know, end of 2021 or 2022 when, you know, when the recovery should be well underway. So a lot of the the bad news indicators that we're looking at over the you know the next quarter or two again could translate down the road into you know demand that is being pushed out um, um, uh, in, in in future years. But but certainly you know in the, in the short term it is uh, you know not a not a positive. You and I have previous previously talked about the amount of savings and the amount of cash people have on hand. Um, you know it happens sort of frequently when things go bad, people hoard their money and save and, and, you know, hope that they don't have to tap into it. Where are we at right now with those figures and, and what might people do with any cash that they have saved? Because people, let's face it, people haven't been able to go anywhere or do anything. A lot of extracurricular activity has been canceled. Um, obviously not a lot of people traveling for vacations. I just wonder how much cash have people saved over almost a year now and what do they plan to do with it? Well, we know um, at the end of Oct- uh, at the end of October, the end of Q3, Statistics Canada has released data on the, the the health of Canadian households, basically, and so we do know that yes, Canadians uh, really built up their savings um, as a result of the lockdowns and and substantial government transfers that vastly exceeded aggregate wage losses. So typically, Canadians are poor savers. They might save about two to three percent of the their disposable income in normal times, which is not a whole lot. Um, but you know, remember we do have relatively strong social safety nets to fall back on, and sure. so um, you know. But what we saw, even in the global, great global financial crises, is that on that you know kind of fear or precautionary basis, you know Canadians started hoarding and saved up to six to seven percent of their disposable income, and that was considered pretty pretty big. But what we saw in the first wave is that that number shot up to almost thirty percent. So again, you know, not being able to to purchase, but also more transfers to households. 
Now that came down over the summer. So, you know, Canadians started to unwind a bit of those savings and it's now down at 14% of disposable income. And, you know, Canadians, as the recovery takes hold, will start to draw down. I don't think we've fundamentally changed and have become substantial savers. Um, what we will see as, as, as comfort returns is that they start spending it on things and it'll be on things like uh, home renovations. And we know many Canadians are, you know, out at hardware store out at hardware stores and we're seeing this in things like lumber prices for example we know that they're upgrading their home offices uh, and this would also then translate into things like uh, auto sales but there's also another interesting component of what Canadians have been doing, which is um, they've still been buying houses. So um, when we look at what household debt levels uh, look like at the end of the third quarter, they have come down modestly from you know above 175% of disposable income. They're down now somewhere around 170%. So they've removed some of that, you know, created a bit more space um, on what some might call a, a bit of a household debt ceiling and they've done it in a in a way um, they keep continuing buying houses but they've started to pay down credit card debt so arguably they've strengthened the composition or, or the quality of the debt that they hold uh, more debt with equity behind it and so that you know could be a positive factor again as we look out to the medium term because they've not only created more um, um, sort of headroom to hold debt but they've also strengthened the, the quality of that debt and so again these things bode well for you know purchases major purchases on things like automobiles down the road so if i'm a dealer and i know and i am armed with the facts that um, Canadians have saved more and they're sitting on some cash and Canadians have paid down a lot of, not a lot, but some of their debt. They don't owe as much, especially on high interest credit cards. Um, they don't owe as much perhaps on their home and they're still buying houses, which usually means they're somewhere in the suburbs and have to drive to work. If I'm a dealer, should I be anticipating a fairly good first and second quarter or a, a good year overall? I just wonder if I should be sort of licking my chops knowing that sales are coming or at least the potential for sales are coming? I think that, um, you know, I think one issue that, you know, preoccupies dealers right now is inventory because, um, you know, the demand has already been there. So we saw particularly in, in the third quarter of 2020 and, and we, you know, even though the fourth quarter, you know, softened a bit, it was still very strong when you consider that we were in the midst of a second wave that's been far worse than the first wave. And so the fact that, um, you know, consumers were still out there and the other aspect to that you know, that demand in Q3 and Q4 is that fleet really hasn't come back in a strong way yet. And that's about 20% of new vehicle sales. So that means that retail sales that, um, you know, Canadians out there buying at dealerships was even stronger than the headline numbers would suggest. So, you know, the demand is there, but what we are hearing through different polling and through, you know, informal um, discussions with, with dealers is that, you know, that, 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 the inventory shortage is is real is that they are struggling to get the vehicles that consumers want on their lots and so i think that you know that'll be um you know something that that you know will will make a difference as production catches up with this um you know strong rebound in demand is that they can they get the vehicles um that canadians want on their lots in um 
in Q1 and Q2. So I think that that will really be what sort of preoccupies minds over the next couple of uh, quarters. Is the biggest hurdle at this point the vaccine rollout? Because, I mean, the vaccine, there's no question, has given everyone hope. It's a light at the end of the tunnel, created some buzz and excitement. It made people feel good when we heard it was arriving. But now we're hearing stories that Canada as a whole and some provinces are even worse at rolling out the vaccine. Is that vaccine rollout the biggest thing that the economy and the auto industry needs to keep an eye on? Because you're talking factories with thousands of workers in it and dealership networks across the country that sort of still rely on people coming in to buy a car. And without a vaccine, it means people are still contagious. Is that the biggest hurdle right now? I would say it's certainly the, the the biggest, but not the only one that should be on on the radars. And so, um, you know, just like you know, the math the math of catching up after a slow start um, will limit just how strong twenty twenty one can be. So, if it takes more than two quarters to really get back up to where Canadians are comfortable, where immunization numbers are high enough that we can, you know, have some semblance of of, of normalcy again. Um, yes, that will make the numbers just difficult to, you know, look at 2021 and say it's going to be a really strong year. Again, back to pushing out some of those numbers in sales um, into the, the, you know, quarter after quarter bleeding into 2022, the longer it takes. So I think that that is something to watch. But I would say we also need to be mindful um, of, you know, what, which headlines are we reading? And so right now, the pandemic headlines, um, you know, we're very focused and rightly so on where those are going. But if you start reading on what's going on in parts of the economy and financial markets right now in particular, um, you know, they've priced in a very strong recovery. And so even with the, the blue uh, uh, sweep that we've seen, um, you know, absent the, you know, the turmoil and, and you know, very tragic outcomes of last last evening on Capitol Hill, that, um, you know, that the financial markets have you know, see a recovery that is stronger than a lot of forecasters are predicting right now. And so we're seeing this in, um, you know, different financial market indicators, including um, the so-called yield curves that are starting to steepen because they see inflation happening faster because of stronger growth. So I think we have to um, be prepared that you know, things could actually be better sooner than you might believe when you look at the uh, the, the current pandemic headlines. So it is a, a bit of a, um, you know, I guess, plan for the worst, but hope for the best and, and really plan for both scenarios. And so I think what we know from 2020 is that we really planned for the worst and we didn't have much inventory. So it's going to be a fine balance between making sure you have enough inventory for what could be a very, you know, a pretty strong year. Um, but at the same time, be prepared that, uh, you know, this might, the rollout might be a lot longer and, and, you know, the sales might be much weaker than we may otherwise hope. So, so it does make it very challenging and it's particularly where, um, you know, um, floor planning for for dealers, for example, is, is, you know, a significant cost. And so how do you make sure that you have, you know, have the right numbers and the right mix, um, you know, given that different scenarios could yet play out for 2021? Well, we'll see where it all goes. We'll see how it plays out. Um, I hope to have you on uh, at least 
one more time, maybe two throughout the year. Uh, we've got a plan to check in with a bunch of analysts throughout the year. So uh, I'm glad you're part of the uh, the show. Um, I appreciate your insight. And as always, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. We reached Rebecca at her home office in Atlantic, Canada. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glayson at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous shows on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. That does it for this episode of Automotive News, Canada Conversations. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.